so yeah, I was going to say earlier, the way that they funded this film, they sh- they were told by a, a, a successful filmmaker that they knew that the way to get money for a film, like the producers, you seen the producers? Yes. So they basically mm-hmm. went around a load of producers' houses with like a trailer they'd shot, which had right. Bruce Campbell in it. And it was just lots of shots of like a car going down a oh, road okay. and like a guy carrying a body. And I read they managed to raise like $750,000 just doing that, like going around Shit. houses. And that's yeah. how they made the film, essentially. So they didn't have to sit in like some some stuffy meeting with like a, a Hollywood uh, big wig with a fat cigar. And they just turn up and like, yeah, we've got to trade that for you. <laughs> Watch it. That might, that might be a good like intro segment actually. If we did like a little improvised scene where one of us was a producer and the other one pitches the film to <laughs> that person, the other person. <laughs> I feel like what, that that, that what, could go what, terribly. Who do you want to be? Uh, seeing as you came with the knowledge, I'll just be the producer. All right. <clears throat> got it. A little bit of scene work. Scene work. Okay. Yes. What? Uh, hi, uh, I'm I'm uh, Joel and Ethan Cohen. I have a film idea. <laughs> I wanted to pitch to you. Okay. What, what's what's your name? I feel like I introduced myself and you've not uh, not said what your name is, and that's the basis of social interaction. So, oh man, <laughs> really flabby. Do you want to clear uh, your throat? Actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My name is. <laughs> that's worse. That's like that's actually so much worse. Murray. Just Murray, right? Um, so anyway, I had this idea for a movie. Um, it's about this guy, Ray, who uh, goes off with another man's woman, and there's murder, there's intrigue, there's random cuts to sex. Clear why that's in the film. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. That, it is, it? that is good. Does that that, that sells you on it? Does it? Is that that's the clincher? Yeah, I'm in. I don't even need to see shit. Wow, I've not even told you how much money I won. Like, that's usually a key part of these Dragon Stand meetings is... Oh, I've got no money. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm here for money uh, to make my film, so... You might want to go next door. <laughs> All right. Are we really going to act that out as well? A different character? <laughs> I have $10. <laughs> okay. Well, I just need uh, 75,000 more of those and I'll be able to make the, the film then. So cool. I'll go to the next house. Bye, bye, Murray. Goodbye. And then, like SNL, we should break from the sketch and like turn to the camera and go live, not live, not live, um, pre-recorded from Birmingham. It's Birmingham Mon- Monday evening, Birmingham. <laughs> pre-recorded from Monday evening, Birmingham. It's Meb. Get Meb. <laughs> It's Meb <laughs> from Meb. Birmingham Monday evening. It's Cohen through the motions. What are you We have a little thing we say at the start, like a little bit of patter, possibly. Well, that's not going to be spontaneous or in any way natural. So, uh, improvise. Why some not? Patter. Some patter, some pitter patter. Yeah, some pitter patter. Just about film. Cup. Uh, write me a limerick for the plot. <laughs>
There once was a man uh, called Ray. Every every limerick starts like that. Yeah, there, there, there was once this was guy a man called Ray. Yeah, that's that's the quota for a limerick, isn't it? No other <laughs> yeah. type of limericks exist. There once was a man called Ray, who had made friends with another man's lady. Oh, it's a weak rhyme, I would say. But yeah, go on. I'm trying to do it to the plot, mate. I was like, I was so Marty is this. Nick Cave. Did you think he looked like Nick Cave and like Richard Nixon fucking smashed together? I can see the Nixon. I don't think I know what Nick Cave looks like. I might look it up now and see if I... Yeah, please. Because this is just... The whole thing I was looking at him, I was... Well, uh, I didn't know that. You're halfway through your limerick. You're halfway through your limerick and you've not really covered any plot yet. That's not in like the first five minutes. Oh, he does look like Nick Cave. You're right. He does. And also, he's got the, that crazy wave chin that he had. <laughs> that, that fucking dimple on that chin was It's such deep. a look. I don't know what else that um, actor's been in, but I, he's a very distinctive face. The other thing as well, I should, probably should note it down. The names of the characters in the film, it was only about halfway through. I was like, oh, he's Ray. Mm. And it was only Marty at the start and M- Maurice... Because oh, they just say his name for the whole film. Uh, you think that's purposeful then? That they give one guy a repeated name lots of times and the other characters, they kind of don't really say their names as much? I feel just at target thinking, oh yeah, this, I don't know any of these characters' names. And I still can't remember the, the lead female actor's name. In, the actor's in, name. The, the, the character's name, sorry. I want to say Helena, but I think Helena's someone else Helena. in the film. The person that Maurice is seeing, I think, because that's a, like a little side bit that happens. But I suppose that's the because I like that a lot. Though. Yeah, like, that's the thing about the Coen brothers, and we'll talk about like their hallmarks and their trademarks maybe a bit later. But mm. all their little like bit characters are really well developed, and they have a strong kind of sense of um, like fleshed out mm. three dimensions to them. Yeah, for sure. Like Maurice has a big, like a big scene of like confrontation, and he with with Ray after that all goes down. I like yeah. as well that it's not just some massive crime thing. Everyone's involved, like state police or whatever. It's just this condensed plot point that happens between these characters. And it starts unraveling from there further and further. But yeah, just giving characters like that, as you said, like that fleshing out and those moments of like sure. uh, actually giving them something to do, I suppose. And like weird little bits of like, would you call it like kitsch kind of like uh, props, like the fish that are in the film and like yeah. slowly rotting as the film <laughs> yeah. progresses. Yeah. Really like yeah, memorable. Yeah, like it. I find that with all the Coen Brothers mm. films is there are little bits to like stick out and like a week later I'll think like, oh yeah, that was like odd. Like why did they do that? But it's not like, it's just there and you just remember it because it's so... It almost kind of feels a bit out of place sure. in the kind of film that you're watching. Are we get, well, can we just talk about the plot quickly just to get yeah. it out of the way? And then, then I have be, it yeah. at least so I can like, edit in. in the mm. point. Yeah, to keep it in this order, Joe. I feel, I feel like this is the perfect <laughs> order is to leave the plot of what you're talking about to the very end. Yeah, because imagine if you hadn't seen this film, which like we hadn't before we did this podcast. So no. our audience is only people who are doing Going <laughs> Brothers podcast, I suppose. Yeah. But... Um, Stop being too meta, I guess. Um, the, we start off, very little information is given to us. The two characters, Ray and Abby, they're driving away. It seems like the whole film, I thought, at least to start with, might be this kind of pursuit where they're being chased mm. across America kind of thing. Like, I got that vibe to start with. Yeah. They stop off at a hotel. Um, they, they, get, they get down to it, I'm not going to lie. Uh, it, it, it's that it's almost like a, a comedy bit in it it's just like a hard <laughs> cut they're just like what do you want to do now and it's hard <laughs> yeah. cuts and then just yeah bumping uglies but 
Yeah, and also constantly in this film, no one has heard of curtains at all. Like you can always just point a camera <laughs> through. <laughs> I get really stressed out about that. I can't imagine there are people who are just no. fucking with like the curtains wide open and like you can and seemingly see these, are, uh, these these bungalows you're living in with no curtain. Yeah, this guy is taking like pictures of them. He shows them to this woman, Abby, which is a really forgettable name. I feel Abby. Mm. For, your, for your main lead but she gives them photos to ray this guy does um yeah so this kind of private detective then uh with his fantastic get up i think the the color yeah. is this kind of almost uh, pale yellow place uh what, they, what do you call it leisure suits leisure suits mm. they call them in america don't they? this kind of stetson hat Talking it's talking to like the uh, the rich Texan from The Simpsons. Yeah, that's the whole kind of look, isn't it? Yeah. I think it is literally just the rich Texan. I don't know if he has, he probably has a name. There have been 30 seasons of that show, everyone's like had their <laughs> own episode. They did Someone a Mole Man episode, do you know that? Like a whole episode about Mole Man. Uh, Marty, who owns this bar, who mm. is the husband of Abby, uh, uh, they're chatting, and he it's kind of you're just kind of left to stop. Picking up, you got to kind of just catch up with the film at the start, and you like it's just happening. Yeah, it's no a very trademark of... thing. I feel is yeah. like the would you call it like in media res? I guess kind of like half halfway between. Mm, you've gone past all the oh she's started seeing this other guy, which is like what you were saying with the whole you thought it would be a pursuit thing, mm. which is why it's weird that it's actually just kind of a very sedentary. She's just like staying in his house, and they know exactly where yeah. everyone is at every at all times. <laughs> Like that, that's basically it. But yeah, it, it's all going on. It's just—it's quite. Um, they're very like um, restrained with the information they give you to start with. So you, first of all, mm-hmm. you only kind of have Abby's perspective of this guy. So you don't mm-hmm. know if he is actually like abusive, as she's saying, or if she's kind of just like making it up a little bit, and yeah. you get little bits more of information, and it kind of um, all develops. But I think we can say pretty decidedly, he was a bit—he was a piece of shit, really, Ray. Right? Like the no, Marty. Sorry, uh, Mar- yeah. Ray. Ray was alright. <laughs> Ray was kind of all right. I think as yeah. We can get to this later about that, what, the whole thing with the like men in this film, I think, and like why it kind of w- goes into that famous, uh, almost like horror genre kind of ending. Um, mm. But yeah, so he's got this relationship with this private detective who's just like an absolute fucking scumbag. Everyone's so fucking sweaty in this film. Like <laughs> the heat is like, it, that, I think it's very, plays a big part. Like everyone's so sweaty and everyone's like kind of fucking on edge. So he says to the guy like, don't you fucking come around here again or something like that. He leaves on eyes. Like he knows now that Abby has left him essentially. And then Marty tries to hit on Maurice's girlfriend at that point. So yeah. he's obviously just trying to be like, he is what? pretty creepy with that woman though, isn't he? Like, yeah. I think it's, you kind of work out that he's a, he's a prick by that point because he just tells Maurice <laughs> yeah. to go like can continue with his job while he hits on Maurice's girlfriend. Um, you've done bar work, right? Not not to pigeonhole you or call you out or anything. <laughs> so like, is, 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 <laughs> is that something that happens? Like, is that a... uh, not particularly? I think that's, not unless uh, you're like living in Roadhouse, which, <laughs> yeah. apparently yeah. this film is. <laughs> but you get the sense, I think, throughout it, anything could happen. Like, you don't really. Mm. And there's a dream sequence, like a lot later on, where Marty kind of turns up and he's sitting on her bed. And that's the only time I think oh, where they they yeah. lie to you and they like show you something that's not real. And when that yeah. happens, you are kind of for a second like, he could he still be alive? Yeah, yeah obviously not. But like, yeah, when they show you that dream sequence where you're like, is he kind of alive? And it's kind of lying to you. Is when I noticed like they started doing like these weird transitions. Do you notice them of like uh, like frame matching? 
So like, yeah. there's one where like someone's pressing down on something, I can't what it is, and it just like frame matches to the next thing, and it's like, but it, that hasn't happened for the entire film. And then there's another one where she like falls back into bed. Oh that's yes, like, that's yeah, yeah. when all that, that stuff really kind of cool, happens. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of showing kind of, her disorientation because by yeah. that point, everything's confused and people know like part of the story and they're mm. leaping to like assumptions. And <laughs> yeah, there's a, this, this, this whole sense, the whole film through that is kind of, I, I would call Coen Brothers like pretty fatalistic at a few mm-hmm. degree because you've got like the three bullets in the gun at the start and then the gun fires the three bullets. Mm. Um, you've got like the lighter under the fish and they keep cutting back this lighter, but I don't think anyone yeah. ever finds it. Do they, do they find it eventually? No, I think that's just there to be a piece for like, he's going to get found out this private detective who is no. the one that, that murders Marty because Marty pays him to kill Abby and Ray because he's pretty pissed, man. And then yeah. uh, instead he shoots Marty. And fakes uh, the photograph, right? Yeah, the, so there's the a photograph that he takes to, to show him like this, they're dead. But he fakes that. You don't that. know at that point if that is a fake or not because it kind of shows no. him like coming up to them right outside the window and then it yeah. cuts to the photograph and then yeah. the next thing is um, him meeting with Marty and showing him the photograph. Mm. You don't know straight away, right, if it's real or not? Yeah, no, it's only revealed kind of later that when he takes the photos back to kind of cover his tracks and he cleans them off and that's when he realises the light is still in the bar where he shot Marty mm. and you think it's going to be the piece of evidence that gets found out when the law get involved. But it just doesn't fucking happen. Like, just no, just it's just there, and it's just forgotten about. But it's still like a, it's a thing. It's still there in the back of your head while you're watching it. There is a bit later on, right, where he goes to light a cigarette, and he's kind of patting his pockets and realizing mm. that he lost it, and that gets him to go yeah. back. So you'd expect it to be a bigger kind of yeah. Really, this yeah, this this guy shoots Marty. Ray comes in, does he? We keep coming back to this room and it's always like, yeah. it's this really complicated thing where people are always coming in and out. It's like <laughs> the film, The Room, like people are just coming yeah. in and out of this room. Because it's, yeah, what a fantastic reference there, Joe. <laughs> uh, uh, if you haven't seen The Room, go watch it because, you know, everyone has to watch that film now because it's bad, it's man. Yeah, it's man. a bad film. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and that's part of why I wanted to do this was like watching like good films or films that could be good. That we firstly like we know nothing about so like i say anything could have happened in this film mm. i really had no idea what i was getting in for and then also as well it's kind of nice to discover like films that have been forgotten isn't it like it's it is celebratory there's films a that negativity on the internet let's just kind of be happy <laughs> and right. say say we like things um there's one way to justify it to ourselves <laughs> make it a little less narcissistic but uh, <laughs> <laughs> to say that we've done something <laughs> Why is there door to this up uh, this room? Yeah, it's just wooden slats. Because there's also like a fire, like a constantly raging fire out the back, like a furnace. <laughs> I guess like it's kind of important. But I feel like it's just there so that he can ditch, like Ray can ditch evidence when he gets yeah. stuff up. Because there's no reason for it to just be constantly fucking burning. <laughs> or maybe it's beyond us, beyond our understanding. But we got the first two of the what I'd say would be the big set pieces the other one being like right at the end where she like climbs across and and so yeah. Ray finds this body 
he realizes that it looks like he's responsible for it, so he has to cover mm. it up. So he puts it in a car, throws away the evidence in the furnace, and then as he's driving, he starts to wake up. And then oh, Marty. Marty, yes. Yeah, so we have... The other thing is, like, there's a gun. So Abby... <laughs> Uh, there's the a pearl gun. grip, pearl grip, the pearl grip gun. And three this, bullets in it. Ray recognizes that it's Abby's gun. I think he must do because there's a whole thing with him as well, thinking that because there's a bit the, with him and Abby being oh, like, yeah. "I covered for you." He thinks that she killed him because he doesn't know about the Texan guy. Like no one really yeah. knows about the Texan no, guy <laughs> apart from Marty, and then Marty well, dies. So it's like <laughs> yeah. no one knows this guy exists. <laughs> Oh, it's, actually, like, it's really fun, but like it's weird. Like weird as a plot device. But, yeah. These eighties teenagers that are just hanging out on their cars on a on a dusty road on a ridge <laughs> in America, and he's like hanging out with them. And he's like, "That woman thought I was smoking weed or whatever. It's just a cigarette." Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah, completely pointless. But... <laughs> fucking laughing. Did he remind <laughs> you as well of the way that he was like saying shit of John C. Riley? Oh, a little uh, actually. There's like there's a John C. Riley. I think it's called. Um, uh, this, like the sisters' brothers, so John C. Riley and Joaquin Phoenix play these two like bounty hunters in the, in the old west. So uh, John C. Riley's putting on this kind of deep South accent, and he sounds exactly. Was it em- Emmett Walsh? Is the the guy who plays the private det- detective we're talking about? Yeah, it just reminded me of John C. Riley. Just the way he talks throughout the whole thing. Anyway, I, I read some trivia, and you never know how true this trivia is, mm. but they said that Emmett Walsh was the was the oldest guy on set, basically. So I think the Coen brothers got together with a lot of their friends at the time who were probably younger people. Right, okay, yeah. I mean, he, had, he was fucking ancient. Yeah, is, he's still alive, I've, though, apparently. I, I'd say it's interesting enough to a degree if you think that the guy looks fucking ancient, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> to say he was the oldest guy on set, I mean, like, yeah. fair enough. But I guess if it's a young production, and like you said, like they're just getting their mates together, because the Coen brothers can't have been that old when they made this. Yeah, do you know so, about the production of this film? I did a little bit of research into it. God, so they, um, they, I can't remember. Oh, I'm going to get all of this wrong. And even then, it's like shit people have written on IMDb anyway, so it's probably not even <laughs> correct to start with. So it's like this game of, you can't say Chinese whispers, this game of telephone down the line. And, yeah, uh, nice. We've nice got, correction. Yeah, see, I, I saved it there. By, I still mm. said the original thing, so it's still offensive, but now it's annoying as oh, well. It's, so man, it's, that's what it's... <laughs> So what we've got here is either you keep it in and look Wait, like an ignorant me... fool <laughs> or we edit it out and then what we say afterwards, good save, means no sense. So that's completely useless then. I could do it again uh, clean, to use an industry term. Yeah, go uh, I can't remember what I said now. What did, <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> yeah, it's like a game of telephone. What is though? <laughs> I guess that is the case for all films and like you get these kind of things like legends <laughs> where they talk about like Kubrick making The Shining and shit and how he put through his axes through all these things and I think they get mm-hmm. talking up to be bigger than they were so there's yeah. a degree of like um, information being lost along the way. Francis McDormand once noted in a 1996 interview that M. Elmit Walsh was the oldest person on the set. Mm. And 26... Twenty-six out of forty-eight people found that interesting. Twenty-six, yeah. Twenty-two did not. Yeah, it's not good. Is it? It's not bad going, is it? Although apparently he was in Knives Out. Did you see that film? I have seen Knives Out. Yeah, who does he play in that? Oh, I was trying to remember. I didn't look any further into it, which is goes to show my extent of research. But uh, right, um, (laughs) this is great podcast. Tangent. M. Emmett Walsh was paid his whole salary in cash. 
40 out of 40 people found that interesting. Wow. So maybe there is kind of a legend to this guy sweep. where he's a bit of an odd. So that's another thing in Hollywood, isn't it? Like, like the thing that Bill Murray has like a telephone that you call up and you leave an answer phone message there and that's how he decides whether he gets his roles or not. That's cool. Like You get to a point of yeah. your acting career. I guess it's that's quite hard as an, as an aging film star, isn't it, really? Because you either go like the Jim Carrey, Tom Cruise route and like try and pretend that you're young forever. <laughs> and it, like Harrison Ford, you're just kind of a sad and grumpy and old yeah. and like, hanging out. Yeah. and like The Harrison yeah. Ford fan service, like... Obviously, Star Wars is a big one. But I feel like with that, at least he was like, I'll do one fucking film, yeah. One <laughs> film and I'm fucking going, man. Like, and then Blade Runner, he turns up for all of our 10 minutes. Yeah, so. in like a t-shirt he was probably just wearing anyway. <laughs> like It's like a horrible grey sweaty t-shirt. I imagine that's how he talks. I don't fucking know. Like, he's old and grizzly now. And he's- yeah, and really into weed, I think, as well. And he flies a plane. He's a pilot, isn't he? Like, that's a whole thing. Um, I imagine he lives in California. That's, that's what people do. They smoke and fly their prop planes. It's all right for some, isn't it? Quite. Anyway, this is a massive tangent. Are we still going to try and go through the plot? Is there much plot left to go? I guess, do we do this from the perspective that people would have seen the film before they're listening to this? I think you have to. I don't know anyone that would... <laughs> look at the title of it with my blood simple. be like, oh yeah, that sounds great. But what if you liked another one of the episodes because you had seen that film and then you... Perhaps. Yeah, well then, you know, it's a fine line. Mm. You've got to walk in podcasting, you know. Yeah. It's not It's not all easy breezy. <laughs> anyway, plot. No. So Ray drags mm. Marty's body into the back of his car. Yes. Marty wakes up and Ray kind of freaks out. Realise, does everyone carry a shovel in their car? I feel like there was no reason for him to have a shovel. There's no, like... They're just, like, 80s movie men, aren't they? They're, like, um, mm, like uh, Kevin Bacon in, <laughs> in Tremors. Like, they just hang out and, like, <laughs> live out of, like, a Chevrolet and drive about and dig things, and that's their job. So uh, he buries him alive in a shallow yes. grave uh, on ploughed land, which I feel like mm. bad choice. <laughs> you, w- you wouldn't normally dig bury someone in in earth that's regularly turned over but maybe that's <laughs> yeah. the whole like amateurish like he's not he's never done this before kind of thing I don't know he tries to fire the second bullet right when he's being buried alive but he's like too weak to like, actually pull the trigger and it's like a hole yeah extended. well because mm. now you say that I thought it was just that the bullets have been fired but then I couldn't because he's clicking it and oh yeah he's clicking that, it yeah, the right. hammer is hitting whatever so I don't know why is it jammed maybe it's jammed but then it fires later doesn't it? Yeah. Because the first she... time it goes off, it's like just on the floor and it happens like at random, seemingly. Oh, yeah, because he, he kicks he it. In. Yeah, so he kicks it, I think, and then it goes off. So that's the mm. second bullet. And then the third one is obviously right at the end where Abby shoots uh, Emmett Walsh. Yeah. Emmett Walsh. And then Ray just drives home. Yeah, like he still thinks then, that Abby has done this and like left it for mm. him to cover up, I guess, which is yeah, like a she, crazy uh, assumption to make. But I guess <laughs> if you've got a dead body in your hands, you're not going to like start calling people and be like, is this your dead body? <laughs> Just be like, all right, I'll, I'll deal with it. Lost. And yeah, there's a bit earlier on where they like buy a flat and it's like a scene just out of nowhere. And then after this, they're just now living <laughs> in this flat. 
And it's yeah, like, a pro- it's a nice flat. It's got like a massive window, which again, they never shut the curtains on. So later, the guy's shooting yeah. them through the window. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that sniper overlay. Yeah. For that sniper scope. Oh, that, that's fantastic. It's like, uh, it's not cardboard, so it's digitally put on. Yeah. But it's, it, oh, it's not even going to be funny to explain it because it's, how do you explain just like plain sniper I can scope? Put, I can put up an image of it now for the YouTube video so people won't yeah. be seeing. Oh, we have visuals on this? We can do. Yes. If I put them on oh, YouTube, man. then I can like put still images over the top. Or it might not even prove my point at all because people might just be like, that's <laughs> fine. Yeah, they did um, the best of what they had though. Stop being so fucking cynical, you piece of shit. <laughs> So yeah, that's the flat. So yeah, they're still. I think they're still developing their style. But I think this is mm. remarkably like well, this is like a good like, blueprint for what they would do later on. Like, uh, I think yeah, everything sure. is is there. Like it's genuinely yeah. like enjoyable to watch, and like it doesn't overstay its welcome. And bits like at the no. end where oh man, the like runtime. A- <laughs> oh, so there's a 99 minutes. Thank you very much. Nice. Um, Sorry, you said it's like No Country for Old Men, which is like over two hours, but. Anyway. Then we get down to this final kind of showdown where mm. Emmett Walsh is attacking this studio apartment. They're through yeah. the window. The light keeps getting turned on and off and he'll like find his shot and then the light gets turned mm. off again. And yeah. it's this whole thing. He ends up shooting Ray. Um, but yeah. by that point, Abby has worked out enough to hide and turn the light off and she's like throwing things at the light she switch. Throws, that was uh, she misses one. She, th- she hoofs her shoe. And then she gets it a second time. It's like the perfect shot. Also, naked. it's a good thing it was a naked light bulb, wouldn't it? Because if it had a yeah. lampshade on it. Yeah, it would have taken like yeah. five more shoes or whatever. <laughs> to, they should just shoot right. Like, <laughs> just slinging these. <laughs> it's for 10 minutes. It keeps coming back to Emmett Walsh and he's like... <laughs> this sniper is like peering. Because <laughs> it's a very tense moment. I think the film it does like tonally. The genres kind of all go all over the place, but I think it seems to remain the tone that it sets out. Yeah, like the bit the in the ploughed field is very horror, I'd say, where he's disposing mm. of the body. And that final scene is very horror, where it's like yeah. in the dark and like he puts his hand through the window. Yeah, yeah. I, I instantly thought of Halloween. It, it was it was Michael Myers coming in to get Jamie Lee Curtis. And it, it was a, it's like the final girl theory, essentially, isn't it? Because like these, yeah. these violent blokes are like just killing each other off in, that, in this way. And it, yeah, it's very horror-esque. I think I agree. So he, he, he comes in um, and she's like in the bathroom and she manages mm-hmm. to get out the window and like crawl over to the flat next door. Mm-hmm. And he like puts his hand through and like tries to open the window and she just fucking stabs him with a knife <laughs> and his hand's stuck there. And yeah. it's just very stressful. It's I'm not sure I can something. do another one of these. Um, so she runs all the way around where it's kind of like, they're kind of doing the Benny Hill thing where they're just going round and round and round. And they could have dragged out another 20 minutes as well if they yeah. wanted to. Um, he's through the door. She still thinks it's Marty because she doesn't yeah. know that Marty's dead. She says a line like, fuck you, Marty, you're dead. And Emmy yeah. Walsh is like, hey, when I see him, I'll tell yeah, him. Yeah, as he dies. Yeah. yeah. That is the and the final like- shot is like his POV as he's staring up at like the bottom of a sink and the drop of water yeah. starts to form and like <laughs> yeah. that was really that like stuck in my mind for a while because like, that was like the final image he would have seen as he died I guess which yeah. is and yeah, a really I, like dark and horrible ending and then they cut to like the upbeat pop song yeah. and it's like so yeah that's kind of the that's, that's the plot I don't know if we cover that very, with much clarity but uh, yeah but we've kind of just done that really like scatter shot so 
it will it'll come together in the edit. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> we just then, like, giving you more work to do. Third segment, I guess, of just fucking waffle about bullshit. But... Sorry. So we finished on some kind of rating scale. So I suppose we've both been pretty vocal about the fact we really enjoyed Blood Simple. Um, mm. what, what's in this film prominently? A scale uh, of rate of how many okay. rotting fish would you give this film and how rotten are they? Oh, interesting. <laughs> As in rotting fish in the film is, is a standpoint for the, how good it is. I don't It's up to you. Interpret more as, you, fish. As, as, well, as you will. So, seeing as we did a whole bit, which you can't now, can't now cut out, uh, on how we enjoyed having these kind of props that don't really do anything, but they make, they just kind of ingrained in your head now. Uh, it's going to be a good thing. So, sure. I would give it seven and a fish head okay. worth of rot- rot- rotting fish. And how fresh like, are they? Pretty, pretty rotten, man. You can't catch seven fish, like line caught fish altogether. Uh, well, my fish are being caught by a net. So. Oh, okay. So they're all the same. Yeah, they're all the same. Same freshness. Four of well, them are a week old and then there's one on top that's like still alive and twitching a little bit. Oh, so you're giving it a five. Yeah, but it, but it's a pretty fresh five, so it's an uncertain five. <laughs> yeah, and it's a completely arbitrary metric as well, so it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. No, <laughs> okay. I didn't enjoy the film. I, I I feel like I would recommend it. Maybe if like us, especially the people that like Coen Brothers films that haven't seen like their early stuff, because like you said, it is a good blueprint. They do a lot that you see. They kind of start to when they start to master their own kind of style that they kind of follow that. And it, there is enough there that Definitely. is worthy of a 99 minute runtime. Yeah, so, yeah. Doesn't, doesn't overstay his welcome, does everything he needs to do. Lots <clears> of like really memorable set pieces and shots and stuff. So mm. yeah. good, good movie. Good fish. <laughs> Join us next time as we <laughs> co in through Coalesce. the, the co Cohen less? No, we're going to Cohen more, Joe, from here on out. Right. But that doesn't make sense. I don't know what, (laughs) yeah, I don't know what we're talking about anymore. We've lost all meaning. Um, (laughs) Much like a Cohen Brothers film. It doesn't really have to have a meaning. Yeah, it's come full circle. Look at that. I think we don't need to do any more episodes, Joe. I think we've, once, like, like how we started, we peaked again. Yeah, we, we, didn't, we didn't do the Big Lebowski. We did the Coen Brothers film. <laughs> no one's ever heard of. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, yeah, we're done. That's it. Completed. Chef's kiss. Oh, well, that means. <laughs>